Now, what am I good at? I can shred on the drums, and I'm a marketing whiz. Okay, Venom, reel it in. Reel it in this time, all right? Reel it in. Reel it in slow and steady. I'm Parker Dietz. I'm Tom Logan. And you're listening to Reel It In, the podcast for marketers who like other stuff too. All right, welcome back to Reel It In. I'm sitting here with Dara Denny. I'm super excited. I feel like uh, I'm talking to a celebrity. I was I just told her that off mic a second ago because uh, she's really built quite a quite a good little community on on YouTube um, as well as Twitter. Um, a lot of hot takes, a lot of videos on different topics. So I'm excited to uh, to share a lot of that with our our listeners today, if you haven't had a chance to, to dig into her content yet, but Dara, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm super excited to be on the show today. It's been a long day post Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and I feel like things are starting to finally wind down. So I'm stoked to be able to just like sit back and like talk some shop. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I know this is like the post Black Friday, Cyber Monday part of, uh, I guess, like D to C and marketing in general, when you can yeah. kind of just take a breath before you have to start doing all the new year, new me campaigns. That, oh God, right? <laughs> yeah. So long in January. I know yeah. there should be a, there should be some sort of petition to just put an end to those and everyone can just keep on taking a little break until, yeah. until February. Um, cool. Yeah. So for those who didn't get a chance to, to uh, stalk your, your socials for a couple hours today, um, would you mind giving the, the listeners like a little background on, on what you do and kind of like how you started getting involved with, with performance creative as well as, you know, on YouTube, stuff like that. Yeah, of course. So, um, I'm Dara Denny. I'm the senior director of performance creative at the agency thesis. I do not own this agency. It was founded by my friend and colleague, Adam Lavallo, who's someone I really um, respect and trust in the industry. And essentially what a senior director of performance creative means is that I oversee all of the ad creative teams at Thesis. So currently we have three. We have the UGC creator division where we partner with creators to make content for TikTok, for um for UGC content on Facebook and Instagram. We also have the studio division. So we do have a full-time studio team located in Blanchard, Brooklyn, where we do more, um, you know, product photography. We do higher end productions. And then I also oversee the post the post-production division, which is a group of about 15 video editors, motion graphics artists, graphic designers, who take all of the content that we make from the UGC division and the um, studio team and make them into the ads that show up on your TikTok and on your Facebook and Instagram ads. Um, So in addition to my full-time job, which that's my nine to five, I also do YouTube. I've been doing YouTube for the last two and a half years. And um, my content is all about Facebook ads, creative, creative strategy, and essentially how to be successful on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok ads. Um, I actually got my start in this industry. This is such a wild story, but um, I started my career as a humanitarian, um, living and working out in West Africa, in India, and in the Middle East. And it was actually when I was living in Egypt, um, I was out there for two years, that I decided I didn't want to work as a humanitarian anymore. And I ended up uh, deciding, oh, I'm going to be a a journalist, right? I'm going to tell stories that matter. And I ended up walking into the biggest English speaking newspaper in Cairo at the time. This was about 2015. So right after the Arab Spring. 
And I said, hey, like, you know, I, I'm a writer, like put me in. And the CEO, um, who is a woman who was my mentor for a few years, I really love and respect her, Amy Wolapi, she took a look at me and said, you're going to work for our social media agency. So I ended up um, working with them. And I essentially worked on organic social media campaigns where I spearheaded the entire strategy and creative for um, Michelin-starred restaurants for big malls out in the Middle East, um, which is a really wild start to get into the industry. Like number one, working in a completely different um, part of the world, but also um, like being able to work on really big, large-scale pro uh, product projects like Michelin-starred fine dining, and um, you know we like launched an entire mall. So like we worked on the Mall of Egypt project. So for those of you that know. Um, like the Mall of Emirates, where they have like the ski slopes and the penguins and like the big mall and out in UAE. Like we launched that in Egypt and I was a part of that project. So it was just a totally crazy start. Um, but after that, I like moved back to New York, ended up co-founding and um, crashing my own company with a few friends. And that was actually where I got my start in e-commerce and got my start with Facebook ads. And when I really was able, what I was able to do, like even back then in like 2016, 2017, was I always felt like I came at Facebook ads from the perspective of how is this content actually showing up on our feeds? How can we make it as engaging as possible? How can we um, really attract the users visually? And I think that that's something that I was a little early on the jump on when it came to Facebook ads. And it's something that like came really naturally to me throughout my career since I had that beginning on um, organic creative. So um, really since then I've been working, I've worked in house, I've worked on agency teams and currently still leading agency teams. Um, but I also sort of market myself now as a performance creative consultant where you know I work with brands and agencies on creative strategy implementation, creative teams process and creator sourcing, particularly for those that want to scale on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok ads. So that's my long winded introduction. <laughs> no, that was great. That's a definitely a first, uh, you know, start starting to promote a uh a mall in Egypt. A lot of the, yes. uh, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the, uh, ad performance people that I, I meet, uh, weirdly enough, start in, uh, politics or oh, gosh, political yes. advertising really. Ah. Uh, and then they, uh, they, they switch, they move over to like the, uh, you know, more traditional agency or, or brand after that. But it's funny. They're like, uh, yeah, I started just spending more money than I ever have in the rest of my career on political ads. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, yours is, uh, I think yours is definitely, uh, definitely the most interesting I've heard. And I think uh, you kind of came in at the perfect time with that perspective that you had as far as like focusing on the user experience, the visual experience, when at the time it was probably just like the, the old arbitrage game where it was all about the the buying tactics and you could really just like buy your way into really great performance on, on Facebook. And now, you know, as we're seeing, um, and it's like what everyone's talking about is the ball game has completely changed. Yeah, I would say back then it was all about split testing your audience and your targeting by the by the smallest minutia. So, you know, doing single interest ad sets, splitting out your lookalikes and being super um I, I guess thorough was what we thought it was at the time. I I don't know um if you remember this term, but when I first started buying ads on Facebook, there was this thing called the Michigan method, 
where we would actually split out all of the age groups, gender, locations, and we would have like 50 plus ad sets in a single campaign. And that was completely normal. Um, which like would then when you add on interest targeting and lookalike targeting that it was a headache. So I am candidly relieved that it's very much broad audience Chad right now. And we get to focus on the ads <laughs> because um, back then, like I don't get me, I still loved it because I just love being able to like put my money where my mouth is with my creative and really like throttle it and see what's going to happen and get that data, those data points back. Um, but back then it was such a game of, oh, how can I like trick the system and how can I be as smart as possible? Whereas now I'm just like, okay, like I actually just get to concentrate on what I'm good at and what actually matters, which is the product, the messaging and the creative and how we're communicating to our users. Yeah, I think like that's so important too, right? And in, in the grand scheme of things, like um, it, it it allowed like a lot of uh, you know brands with with less than satisfactory products and you know like businesses to really thrive in those in those uh, on Facebook and like you know now we're seeing them all kind of just like fall to the wayside. A lot of drop shipping uh, stuff. I'm curious, yeah. why is it called? Why is it called the uh, the Michigan method? I'm a native Michigander, so I. So I'm from Ohio originally, ironically. <laughs> oh, nice. So I'm watching you, um, but <laughs> I have no idea. I think it's actually so. I think the guy who who coined the term the Michigan method, he was also from Michigan, or he went to like um, Michigan State. So I, I don't have the greatest backstory on that, but um, your listeners should definitely like add us on Twitter or something um, if they've also heard of the Michigan method, because that shows that you're a true OG. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I didn't know we had a Ohioan on the, uh, on the call. So yeah. we have to end it, end it now. It's right. a pleasure talking yeah, to you. <laughs> no. um, so yeah, let's, let's keep going on the, uh, on like the Facebook ad train here. Uh, my favorite part of the, of the show is when I, uh, reference our guest tweets and make them defend them. Ooh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I think the original tweet was like, um, this was something you were hearing from, from your clients or from brands um basically that like performance and cost efficiency is not the most important uh, objective to their campaigns mm -hmm. anymore it's it's much more about the learnings yeah i guess could you like expand on on what that means in your own words and also just like i guess the why behind it like why we've seen that shift because as we've alluded to before like the cost efficiency performance like previously was the most important for for most for most advertisers Totally. So I think like some extra context here is I, I had this happen with a number of brands and the scenario was always very similar. So it was always with a client that was positioned getting ready to scale. So what we did is we started creating a lot more creative, um, enlisting more creators and essentially getting a big bulk of content ready to deploy. So when we were ready to deploy it, Facebook or TikTok always said the same thing go ahead and just launch all those creatives 10 plus, it doesn't matter into a single ad set. Now, our ethos at Thesis is very much like when we're launching net new creative tests, we're going to do so on a broad audience. We're going to do so using two to three creatives generally executing on the same strategy so that we can give that format and that overall strategy a good test, but also do a little bit of um, like, I would say incremental or like split testing within that same ad set to see like what's going to perform best in terms of messaging or hook or whatever. Um, 
So what we would do is, you know, like my team, like we're straight performance marketers, like we want to get the best ROI we can. Um, and what we were doing, especially for TikTok is we were going ahead and we were launching like 10, 15 plus ads in a single ad set. And the performance was pretty good. But of course, it was defaulting and pulling in on like one ad creative. So even though we had all of these other ads that were in this ad set that weren't being tested, we were like, well, technically, you know, this ad is getting the best and it's all within your KPIs. But yeah, we don't have learnings on like the other nine, like eight creatives. And the feedback that our clients were giving to us is, hey, we need to think of a better way that we can categorize these creatives, especially when we have this much um, creative production going on and we have this much content going on. And we need to isolate those creative tests in a way that we can actually get learnings about what's working in terms of format, in terms of messaging, in terms of the creators. Um, so like what, and what we ended up having to do is we ended up having to you know, take a step back and really split out those ad sets and throttle more money through those through those creative tests. Did we find more creative winners? No. But in theory, we were able to get more learnings because we were going we were able to have more spend go through those tests and we were able to see how those users were interacting with that content. Um, so it's it's something that like I talk about very frankly with my clients because initially they say well, we want the learnings. We want all this great, fabulous, creative strategy insight. But it, that conversation is always paired with, you know what? It's that your, your performance is going to be more efficient if we do it this other way. If we do dynamic creative testing, if we lump all 10 ads into a single ad set and let it rip. So I always let them know like upfront, hey, you know what? If you really want to split test everything to death and you want to make sure that you're running a specific amount of spend through every single through every single, every single ad, which I do not recommend, I recommend categorizing it, you're going to not be efficient, but you will get learnings. It really just depends on how important those learnings are to you. And if you have the right strategist to actually make movements from those learnings, which is really hard because what I often find is they, they like clients want everything. They want all the, they want all the efficiency that's possible, but I'm just seeing this trend again and again and again where it's the actual learnings that they can iterate off of and they can take back to their suites, their C-suite, they can take back to their founders and tell them, hey, look at this amazing creative thing that we learned. Like that's more and more of what I'm being asked to provide as like a performance creative consultant. Yeah, I, our CEO is asking me the same thing. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. And like, I, it's, it's serious I mean, it's, and it's been, uh, it's, it's really down to like, you know, I mean, well, I, primarily like we're doing b2b obviously but it's uh like in our in our you know google adwords or even on our our linkedin ads it's like what specifically can you pinpoint as like why yeah. this ad is performing better than this one and like that is more important than the ad actually doing well right um so that like, is it yes it's when being able to learn something from it for clients is more like yeah. so I, every time we do a creative test and i'm like analyzing these credit tests, i actually just use the phrase this is what we learned from this. This is what we're going to do next. This is what we're not going to do next. Nine times out of 10 people are happy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I think uh, like, isn't there like an inherent challenge in being at an agency and then having a client where it's like, yeah, we want to drive like performance. Like at the end mm -hmm. of the day, when I, like, when I think of uh, 
performance or like a yeah performance creative agency or like an ad performance agency it's like they want to drive the the best performance and then it's like how do you there's got to be some sort of trade-off with providing those learnings and failing forward uh like doesn't that subtract from the performance that it in like how do you balance that it does, I think that's yeah. a big, Spoiler, it does, yes. And like, I, I, I am actually just upfront with people about that. And that's why I said that, like, yeah. performance and cost spend efficiency is no longer the most important thing to especially big, big brands that are scaling. Like, they don't really care what worked. They cared, they care why it worked. And they care about making an, another creative that can follow in that same footpath and get that same trend. Those like, buildable learnings are like the true gold right now in media buying but they're very hard to get and it takes like someone that understands creative and creators on like a fundamental level to like get that for people and that's really hard to train video editors it's really hard to train media buyers so it's like a really unique person that i think is really succeeding right now on the platform and really unique agencies too yeah uh, i mean it's such a hard thing to do really is to like take uh I guess like creative variables and and like iterate on them and, and know exactly how to isolate like which ones and and how to replicate them. Are, are these like I guess the clients in the situation like are they also using these learnings for like their broader marketing strategy? Like I imagine like if they can gather a ton of data and and learnings from like paid social for example, like if it's like a big enough brand, like those insights would probably lead to like a Super Bowl spot or something. It would like <laughs> trickle over to another team to at least like somehow like provide some research as to like what is resonating as far as uh, like their their Facebook audiences. I just like wonder like how they're like, why it's so important that they get these findings. I guess it's just like the ultimate, like in the long run, the creative will be more efficient if they yeah. have a really good understanding of what's performing. I'd say like a good example that I have of this where I've like seen this play out recently is um, I work with a brand that I do performance creative consulting with on the side. And, you know, we've been going through this process every month where we take a look at their performance. We take a really um, in-depth look at the creative tests that they're running for the month. And um, we did this exercise this last week, actually, where we take, took a step back and really looked at like the fundamental format of the ads that were doing the best. And we realized there were two like main like creative formats that rose to the top. When you look at them, they just looked like UGC ads. And we're like, okay, yeah, like we can make UGC all day. We can enlist creators, it doesn't matter. But the actual format of the ads were in these two buckets, which was personal storytelling and education. So one of the UGC ads was straight education. Think of like a three reasons why, but it was actually way more, um, I'd say like, had more upfront value to to the customer. It was actually about the four types of herbs that were best for PCOS. So zero selling, zero reference to the product. It was just about the four herbs that are best for PCOS. And then the other content that had done really well for them all hinged on hyper personal stories from someone's history that they were leading to with the hook. Um, and what we were able to like, what we were able to strategize with knowing that is, hey, actually what's working the best for us is straight up educational content and personal storytelling. So we need to get more of that type of content, not just for the ads, forget the ads at the minute, like your customers are dying for that kind of content. 
we need to do a YouTube channel. We need to get more personal stories in the mix that people can search for and look for. We need to get more content on TikTok, not just from the founder, but also from other people talking about the products and sharing their history um, and getting the founder to create more of that educational based product um, content because she's the one that's seen as the expert in this space. So like knowing what type of really big content ideas, it's not even formats, like content ideas, huge pillars, like can really have a ripple effect for how you're creating content around your entire business and how people discover you. Yeah, like opens up a whole new channel for you. That's probably a better investment than, you know, the one you were even testing on in the first place. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. always got to always got to listen to the data there. and follow your That's gotta be the most fun part of your job is like looking at, at the data from those two types of videos and then putting together like a strategy around it. That sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds really hard, but it sounds like rewarding when it pays off. Honestly, I, I get a lot of like personal enjoyment out of it. Like, and I think that's partially because I'm a creator. Um, so like I'm a creator who is really entrenched in the data. So like I do a lot of content like on YouTube, obviously. And like, I'm up in my analytics, like, like for an hour, at least every single day being like, how did this video do? What's the click through rate? Like, why are, when are people leaving? Like, what's the drop off? Um, but also like I create a lot of content for UGC for like, just like random brands. Like people see me on YouTube, they see me on Twitter. They're like, Hey, like you want to like, you want to like walk your talk? Like, let's see how good your ads actually are. Like we'll pay your rate. Like, let's just like see. And like, I do that kind of stuff all the time just cause I think it's fun. And like, yeah, I do know what I'm doing. So I'm like down to make content for other brands and just like see what happens. Um, it like kind of allows me to um, be experimental and also like be placed as the creator and not just like the sorcerer or like strategist at all times. Yeah, eating your own dog food, love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, on that, uh, on that note, let's keep moving down the, I guess like the UGC um, creation path here. Mm -hmm. um, so thesis has the like the UGC division, you're doing it yourself, like you're working yeah. with UGC creators. Um, and so like, obviously, at Coley, that's a big part of what we do is like, we're working with with tons of just like UGC creators to to help brands uh, generate mm -hmm. content. Um, I guess like, so we've like, just given the scale of like the UGC creators, like we've seen so many, <laughs> so many things of like working with thousands and thousands of people. I guess like when you are I guess uh, casting is probably the best word for it. When you're casting, like what are the top three to five things you're looking for in a UGC creator? And so I guess it will, the things could vary like depending on the, the ultimate medium or like format or like goal, but like what are the top like three things that you're going to like look for in a, in a really good UGC creator to work with? Yeah. Number one is going to be a bit controversial and I know it, but I'm looking for people that have like a really unique, like aesthetic look. Um, whether it's like the way that they're presenting themselves on camera, um, you know, and also like their energy. Like, I really like finding people that like aesthetically and energetically just like show up and can communicate like their story and like are someone that people want to watch. It's very much a je ne sais quoi like type of effect. But when I am like personally sourcing for people, like I am just looking for those people that I'm like, wow, like I do want to look at this person. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. The other thing that I'm looking for is like people who understand lighting, people who understand golden hour, people who understand like how to position like their bodies, their face, like even when like 
the best lighting isn't available. I actually had a situation where I planned out my entire Saturday uh, this past week in New York to film content for a brand. And lo and behold, it was raining all day. So I had to like figure out like, okay, how am I going to do this with a ring light? How am I going to do this in front of my window with like the best, like most light possible? Like, I don't want to be working with creators who are like, yeah, I'm going to film this in my basement or in my room and not think about the lighting at all. Cause like the lighting does really have like a huge impact on like the aesthetics of the content. Um, the other thing that I'm going to be looking for is like a lot about like the tone and like how people talk to the camera. Like a lot of times I see newbies like still being really uncomfortable with like looking in the camera, communicating to the camera. And like, that's totally fine. We all started somewhere like, go watch my first video I ever posted on YouTube. It is like hot garbage, but that's just fine. <laughs> you, you just have, you just have to like do it. And like, sure. that's why anytime like someone gets on the creative team at thesis, I'm like, cool. First week you're making a UGC video. Like you're going to learn how this feels and like learn how like it, it feels to be in like the creator seat. Um, otherwise, like I'm looking for people too, that like also can tell a story like using B-roll and like how to use like additional clips. That's more of an editing aesthetic that I'm not like that I don't need everyone to know, but it's not just about like doing a straight UGC video. It's also about being able to like show product usage, showing up close of a product, showing the unboxing experience. So like I am just like looking for like well-round knowledge of like how to do a mini production shoot and like people that think like that um, for their content. Um, you know, at Thesis for a while, we sourced people using like third-party platforms um, like B-roll. I've used trend.io in the past. So I've used hashtag paid. I've used them all. And the biggest learning that we've had as an agency is that like we need to own those creator relationships um, in order to get the best content. We need to work with people who know how to work with us because we do work in a unique way. We um, only require raw assets for from our creators, which is also a bit of a hot button topic amongst UGC creators because um, a lot of times the creators don't want to provide the raw content. They only want to provide single videos so that they know exactly how their image is being used, which I understand that as a creator. Um, however, like I know that my video editors can actually make multiple iterations of that content and they're better at the editing a lot of times than the creators themselves. So like, I kind of just want to like, I also just, it just takes a long time for the creators to make the, the video. speed, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, a speed thing too. You're right. Yeah. So like we've found that now we primarily like source creators like on organic TikTok, on, on Instagram ourselves, but like we had to make a hire for that. So that was like a, a pretty big investment for us. Um, and, but it's been worth it so far. And we've been able to build up like a great Rolodex people we work with all the time, people that know and love us know that we pay on time. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, but it definitely wasn't like an overnight thing by any means. No, and I think the creators look for that too, right? Is like, they don't want to work with a bunch of different brands with different standards, but also different processes. So it's kind of nice to like, just keep working, uh, you know, in, in this case, like through thesis, I think it's like to be able to have that, like, I know what to expect every time yeah. um, this, this brand's not going to like like they're not going to be a pain in the ass they're not going to like belittle me or anything like that um and it does go both ways like you know on both ends uh of that relationship both like the brand and the creator there's you know there's there's misbehaviors uh yes. and so as much as like we can limit that i think uh it's just going to make a better better process for everyone 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of our creators at Thesis, like they work with us every single month. Like some of them are getting paid like two, three, four grand a month from us. So it's like, you know, it's, it's really good as a creator to partner yourself with an agency um, that you'd like, like to work with. And it's just all about finding ones that you trust. And like, I do the same thing as a creator myself. I'm actually going through the exercise now where like a few agencies have reached out to me and I am going through their process of making like organic YouTube content for them, which is just so cool to see how like different agencies are doing it. And like, but I have seen that like, most agencies have defaulted on like they need to own the creator relationship and they're having like people reach out to them directly by like sourcing them organically um because it's really important to find people who are already showing up on those um those platforms organically and know how to communicate those stories it really does cut down on a lot of the um the five things that i had mentioned earlier that i need to find um because those people already know storytelling for tiktok for instagram whatever yeah it's uh it's definitely easier when you're working with with someone who's like definitely like knows the ropes right and they're yeah. doing it every day um cool so we're coming up on time here i want to ask one last question i want to put you in the spot um i guess um i usually like to end on this question okay. in in the next uh i guess in five years from now um and we can either you can you can take this in like a ugc creative way um a performance marketing way i guess like in, in five years from now it, we've, we've already talked about in the last five years we've already seen a big shift uh you know we, we talked about facebook ads changing from you know more of like a the, the buying tactics were prevailing as, as opposed mm -hmm. to the creative so like five years from now what's really going to separate the the winners um i guess from that next tier just like that average tier like what are the winners going to do differently um in five years that are going to like help them edge out their competition um when it comes to like performance marketing I think the most valuable person on a performance marketing team um, in the in the next five years will be a creative director, like someone who is a creative leader that understands this platform inside and out. Maybe they're a creator today. Maybe they're on TikTok making it big and like learning the ins and outs. But like performance marketing and scaling on these platforms is a different game than organic. But I'd say like these platforms, like there's a lot of like commonalities when it comes to looking at organic versus paid. Um, but like the the media buy is gonna be completely automated. In many cases, it already is. I, I foresee a future where all that we're doing with Facebook is putting a creative and like a URL and that's it, nothing else. Like it'll take all the dynamic like text from the website to make the captions or whatever but like i think all of it is going to be completely automated and it's going to be very much just like billboard advertising from here on out i don't think that there's any any way around that but i think that because the media buy will be so simplified it will get noisier and we're only going to have to get better and better as marketers to differentiate our messaging from the crowd but this is like this is the normal thing. Like we went through this like on TV um, with TV spots and, you know, begging for attention on that platform. It's just the platforms are, are different, but like the mode is the same. Um, it's just the barrier to entry on the social media is quite a bit lower. So I think it'll be noisier and harder and it's only going to get harder for the next few years. So, yeah, I really like that take. I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. It's like we're reverting back to, we need really good Don Drapers creating billboards for yes. hula hoops or stuff. Uh, um, 
but I don't know. I think that's more exciting in a lot of ways. I think it's going to drive people to be a lot more creative and, um, and you know, it is going to be a lot noisier, but I think the stuff that's going to rise to the top is going to be, is going to be really good. So yeah, yeah I agree. Th- <laughs> thanks so much for your time today. We're going to um, we'll link out to your Twitter and your, and your YouTube in the show notes here, but if there's anything else you want to plug or anything exciting coming up in the, uh, in the next couple of weeks or month or so, um, you can shout that out now, but I don't know what do you have going on anything. Um, in the next, I would say, so early Q1, January, 2023, I will be, um, opening up pre-sales for my first course. I mean, I am going to be teaching media buyers how to become creative strategists, creative directors. That's something I'm really passionate about. So, um, I've been avoiding course building for a long time because it kind of gave me the ick. But why the hell not? I think that it's it's time to try something new. And uh, yeah, just, you know, look out for that coming up in the Q1. That's so exciting. I love that angle, too, of like what the, the, what the course is about. And I think if people are asking uh, yeah. for, for, for this course and, and that content, then you might as well give it to them, give the people what they want. Yeah, it's I, I've had a lot of inquiries recently for consulting and it's it's not scalable to do one-to-ones all the time and like I do think that I have a lot of like I have like a I have a roadmap and a pathway that works and like I want to share that and like I want to like I want there to be better creative out in the world and I know we can all do it so I definitely like want to share that so that like when I see ads like every day I enjoy them a little bit more (laughs) (laughs) doing God's work yeah (laughs) all right well it was great having you uh we'll catch you you later on on Bye. Bye.